the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. CBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Moss Nissan. Portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Do you ever stretch the truth, he asks? Do you ever take something that doesn't exactly belong to you? Do you ever speak an unkind word? If so, then God's law condemns you as an accursed liar, thief, and murderer. So if you're looking to the law for righteousness, forget it. Forget it. You won't find righteousness by looking to the law. You won't find salvation there. You know what you will find there? You'll find the curse. That's what you'll find because you are incapable of perfectly obeying the law. According to a 3rd century rabbi, Moses gave 365 prohibitions and 248 positive commands. David reduced them to 11 in Psalm 15. Isaiah pared them down to 6 in Isaiah 33, verses 14 and 15. And Micah 6, verse 8, binds them into three commands. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. And we can't even do those consistently, can we? Habakkuk reduces them all to one great statement, the just shall live by faith. Yet there are those who would have us put our trust in our ability to meet God's impossibly high standards. This is not a new problem. This is a heresy that showed up almost as soon as the church began. Among the earliest of these false teachers was a group who showed up in the church the Apostle Paul had planted in Galatia. In Paul's scathing letter to those in the Galatian church who had allowed this heresy into their midst, we find many quotes from the Old Testament, such as that great statement from Habakkuk, which demonstrate that faith in Christ, not conformity to rules, has always been God's plan for our redemption. Today on Verse by Verse, we'll explore some of the reasons that God's grace and God's law are completely incompatible. Welcome. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In our last lesson, Pastor Steve introduced the blessings of faith and the curse of the law. Let's take a closer look now at why the law cannot save us. So let's get into our text and discover the various reasons Paul gives concerning why we could never be justified by the law. The first reason he gives for the impossibility of justification by law is this, because the law demands perfection. The law demands perfection. Galatians 3.10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now, having already shown the Galatians what faith could do, it could bless them, it would bless them with, with justification, Paul now shows them what human effort in trying to keep the law does. It places them under a divine curse. 
Paul says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, as I said earlier, when, when we think of a curse, of cursing someone, we think of vulgar and crude language. We think of dirty speech that insults another person. But in Scripture, a curse is a divine judgment from God. A divine judgment that brings with it the sentence of condemnation. In other words, Paul is saying that those who attempt to live by the law of God bring the curse of God's wrath and judgment upon themselves. Now, the Judaizers would have been highly offended and insulted to hear such a thing, that God curses anyone who attempts to live by his laws. Ridiculous, they would have said. But there are many today who would react the same way, by being offended with such words, because they like to think of God as one who only blesses people who try to do good, and not someone who curses people who attempt to live by by his own rules, by his own laws. But Paul said that those who try to live and be justified by the law are cursed by God and not blessed. And this wasn't his opinion. This is what the law itself taught. You see, to the Judaizers who would have vehemently objected to Paul's assertion that those who try to live by the law are cursed with divine condemnation, Paul reminded them that this is what their very own law taught. Quoting from the last book of the law, from Deuteronomy 27, verse 26, the first five books of Moses are called the law, the Pentateuch, or or the Torah. It means the same thing, the law. Paul restated the words that God gave to the children of Israel through Moses as they were about to enter the promised land for the first time. He said, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now, this is an incredibly important verse of Scripture, and yet it is a verse that the Judaizers as well as many other biblically-oriented people, have failed to take note of. It is the concluding verse to a series of curses that Moses commanded the children of Israel to pronounce upon themselves from Mount Ebal as they initially entered the promised land. What Moses did as the children of Israel were about to cross from the, the Jordan or over the Jordan Remember, they had been wandering for about 40 years, but now they are about to enter the land. And once they cross the Jordan, they will be in the land of promise. And Moses commands them to divide the nation into two groups. So you have six tribes over here, six tribes over here. One group was to go up on Mount Gerizim, shouting out blessings for obedience to the law. The other group was to go up on Mount Ebal, shouting out curses for disobedience to the law. They apparently did this going going back and forth like a a choir. One finishes, the other starts. Something like if you've ever been to a Buccaneers game, one side of the stadium, they yell out Tampa, the other side yells back Bay. Must have been something like that. Blessings, then cursings. And so according to Deuteronomy 27, we read such curses upon the people as cursed is the man who makes an idol. Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother. Cursed is he who distorts justice to a foreigner, an orphan, or a widow. And there are other curses for sexual sins, for taking a bribe, 
for striking a neighbor and, and an innocent person. And then at the end of all these specific curses for specific sins, we read this. Cursed is he who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And Paul, based on the way he quoted this verse in Deuteronomy 27, says that the meaning of this text is that everyone is cursed who does not obey all of the law. In other words, he's saying that the law requires, note this, this is critical, the law requires perfect obedience, not occasional half-hearted obedience. And those who fail to perfectly and completely obey the law at all times are cursed by God and therefore will experience his divine judgment. Now pay close attention to what I'm about to say and you'll, you'll understand why God curses those who fail to obey even the smallest detail of his law. It's because God looks upon his law as a whole as an indivisible and undivided unit, not as miscellaneous and random parts that we can choose to obey or not obey. You see, the law is one whole complete entity, and so it must be obeyed in its entirety, or else God considers it not kept at all. It's like, it's like a chain that has many links to it. So it really doesn't matter if one link is broken or several links are broken because the chain is one entity. If you break one link, you've broken the whole thing. That's something like what the law is like. This is not simply taught in the Old Testament. It's taught in the New Testament as well. And it wasn't just taught by Paul. It was taught by James. James in, in 2.10 says this, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all. It's the same truth Paul is teaching here. It's the same truth the law taught. Now, folks, the point that the Apostle Paul is making is that if somebody hopes to be justified by keeping the law, then all he has to do is keep all of it because the passing grade to get into heaven is 100% perfect obedience all the time. Not 98, not 99, 100% obedience. So in theory, someone who keeps all the law all the time, and never fails to obey any moral precept in word, in deed, in inner attitude, that person could be justified by keeping the law. But if there was failure to keep even one single law, no matter how small, no matter how insignificant it might seem, then there was a curse attached to this failure. And the person who sinned against the law was doomed to God's righteous curse of condemnation. Now, that may be an eye-opener to many who look upon sin as just no big deal, thinking it's just a small transgression. Certainly, God will overlook it. That may have been how the Judaizers felt, but that's not how God feels. He won't overlook any sin, Paul says. All sin is a big deal because it offends God's holiness and makes you a lawbreaker and incurs his curse of full wrath. See, Paul's purpose in citing this verse from Deuteronomy 27 is to make the point that justification must be by faith because no one is capable of keeping all of the law all of the time and therefore all are under God's curse. Paul wants us to understand that the same curses that were shouted down upon the children of Israel from Mount Ebal God now shouts down those.
those same curses upon us because we're lawbreakers. We constantly sin. We constantly rebel against him. And though many of us like to think of ourselves as righteous and good and better than others, God declares throughout his word that we are all sinners and we are all lawbreakers. In fact, it is the height of arrogance, the height of sinful arrogance to think that that we're righteous enough to get to heaven on our own. We're not. Consider these clear statements from Scripture about our sinful depravity. 1 Kings 8.46, there is no one who does not sin. Isaiah 53.6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not even one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus in the sermon on the mount spoke about the inner sin of anger being the same as breaking the commandment not to murder. Jesus said, if you have anger in your heart towards somebody, you've murdered. You've murdered as far as God is concerned. He also said that sexual lust was the equivalent of breaking the commandment to not commit adultery. The Lord also said that out of the human heart come evil thoughts, theft, slanders, and other wicked things. Even when Paul was a seasoned and mature Christian, he still recognized his own present sinfulness. He said so. He said, I am the chief of sinners. Not I was, but I am. And in Romans 7, he admitted the great struggle that he had, even as a mature Christian, between wanting to obey God and sinning against God. Listen, you and I are lawbreakers, all of us. We fully deserve God's curse of judgment. But in case you still have some doubt and you think that you're, you, you might be good enough, and you don't understand your true spiritual condition, can, you consider yourself to be, be pretty good, that God might let you in. Consider these words by one noted Bible teacher. He writes, what the Bible says about human nature is confirmed by human history which is a sordid tale of war and woe. It is confirmed by our neighbors, by the lies of our co-workers and the self-centeredness of the people on our street. It's confirmed by the petty disagreements within our families and even our churches. But the doctrine of total depravity writes its most compelling proof on our own hearts. Your own guilty conscience ought to be enough to convince you that you are unworthy of God. Do you ever stretch the truth, he asks? Do you ever take something that doesn't exactly belong to you? Do you ever speak an unkind word? If so, then God's law condemns you as an accursed liar, thief, and murderer. So if you're looking to the law for righteousness, forget it. Forget it. You won't find righteousness by looking to the law. You won't find salvation there. You know what you will find there? You'll find the curse. That's what you'll find because you are incapable of perfectly obeying the law. So the first reason that Paul gives for the impossibility of being justified by law is that the law demands perfection, 100% perfection. And no one but Jesus Christ is able to do that. But Paul isn't finished arguing against justification by law. In verse 11, he gives a second reason for the impossibility of justification by law, which is not only that the law demands perfection, but also the scripture teaches that justification is by faith and not by law. This is what the Bible teaches. Verse 11, 
Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, Paul writes, for the righteous man shall live by faith. Having just declared that the law can't bring about justified righteousness because no one can keep it, Paul now says that the Bible never said that justified righteousness could be attained this way. Now, the Jewish rabbis said that, but this isn't what God said. Instead, God declared in his word that justified righteousness comes about by faith. The verse Paul quotes from to prove that the Old Testament taught that no one could be justified by law is Habakkuk. This is what he's quoting, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. The righteous man shall live by faith. Now, Paul has already used the example of Abraham in the Old Testament to prove that justification is by faith and not by works. But here he quotes from Habakkuk, one of the Jewish prophets of the Old Testament who lived at the time of the Babylonian captivity. He quotes from him to affirm this truth. And the context in which Habakkuk said these words was a contrast between God's people and the proud pagan Babylonians who were about to invade Judah and lead them into captivity. And here's the point that Habakkuk was making. While the Babylonians were puffed up with pride and were self-sufficient men who trusted in their own raw power, God's people, he said, are not like that. His justified ones live by faith. His justified ones live by faith. In other words, those who have been justified by faith also live by faith, and they are called to trust God even as the invading army swoops down upon them. These words from Habakkuk and Galatians 3 were very dear to the Apostle Paul. He quoted them again in Romans, and the writer to the Hebrews quoted them again. They're very dear. The just shall live by faith. And those words were not only dear to Paul, but they were very dear and had a tremendous impact on Martin Luther. Luther was a German monk who was very devoted to his church, the Roman Catholic Church. And the now famous story is that when Luther went to the city of Rome, he visited the church of St. John Lateran. That's a church named after John the Baptist. He visited that church because the Pope had promised that anyone who climbed the staircase of this church, which was said to have come from the judgment hall of Pontius Pilate, they would receive, the Pope said, an indulgence for the forgiveness of their sins. Now, I have actually been to that staircase. You can actually go up on another way, come from the back and look down, and it is a pathetic sight. I saw many old people, they weren't walking the stairs, they were on their their knees, ascending the stairs, kissing the stairs, stopping and praying. A pathetic sight. The Roman Catholics believe that the staircase is stained with the blood of Christ. And so, as I said, they actually climb these steps on their knees, praying and kissing them as they ascend. Well, as Luther proceeded to climb these steps, something happened to him. In the words of his own son, here's what took place, and I quote, as he repeated his prayers on the Lateran staircase, the words of the prophet Habakkuk suddenly came to his mind. The just shall live by faith. Thereupon, he ceased his prayers, returned to Wittenberg, means Germany, where he was from, and took this as the chief foundation of all his doctrine. 
Luther, in his own words, later explained precisely what happened to him. Here's what Martin Luther said. Before those words broke upon my mind, I hated God. I was angry with God. But when by the Spirit of God I understood these words, the just shall live by faith, the just shall live by faith, then I felt born again like a new man. I entered through the open doors into the very paradise of God. You see, Luther now understood what Paul wanted every religious person who thinks that the law can save them to understand that God's word never taught that law-keeping was the way of salvation. That really is an invention of hell. It comes from Satan. On the contrary, Scripture has always taught that salvation is by faith, trusting and relying upon God and not human effort. And just as God broke in upon Martin Luther's heart to set him free from the bondage of trying to keep the law and and being good enough to get to heaven on his own, I hope, and it's been my prayer, that he will do the same for anyone here who might still think that they're good enough to work their way into heaven. Now, so far, we've seen that Paul has given two reasons why it is impossible to be justified by law. Number one, because the law demands perfection and no one's perfect. Number two, because the Bible teaches justification by faith and not law. This is what God has said. But as Paul moves on to verse 12, he gives still a third reason to show the impossibility of justification by law, which is this. It's because law and faith are incompatible as the grounds for justification. They do not mix at all. Verse 12. However, Paul writes, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Once again, Paul quotes from another Old Testament verse to make his point. This time, he quotes from Leviticus 18.5, which essentially states that if you are looking to the laws of God for your salvation by practicing them, then you have to live by all of them. Now, why did Paul bring this up? Well, the reason he brought this verse up was to show that the principle of faith is so very different from the principle of law. You can't mix them together for salvation. That's why he says the law is not of faith. Faith is not of the law. They they are mutually exclusive. You can't mix them. In other words, faith and law are incompatible as the grounds of salvation, because faith operates on a completely different principle than law. Faith says, trust God for what he has done in Christ. And law says, rely on your own efforts and what you can do to merit God's favor. This is why you can't be saved by believing in Jesus and being baptized. Believing in Jesus and being a church member. Believing in Jesus and keeping the commandments. You can't mix the two, Paul says. They're they're so different, they can't mix. See, faith and law are based on two distinct principles, and you cannot combine them for salvation. That was the problem with the Judaizers. And with so many religious people today, they think that salvation is attained by some sort of hazy, fuzzy belief in Christ, as well as their own efforts at being good. But Paul's point here is to show that faith and works together can't be the way of salvation because they are complete opposites. One relies on Christ while the other relies upon self. You can't combine the two. This is why when the Bible speaks of justification by faith, it means justification by faith 
alone, even if it doesn't mention the word alone, it's rather obvious. In fact, in Romans 11, verse 6, Paul said, if you mix law with grace, you destroy grace. You can't mix the two. If I were to give you something and you insisted on putting some money in my pocket, well, then the gift wouldn't be a gift, would it? Romans 6.23 says that the gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus our Lord, it says. So what an insult to Christ to claim that His blood was not sufficient to pay for the penalty for our sin. That's why we can't mix trying to follow God's law with trusting in Christ. Can't mix the two. Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue on this topic on the next Verse by Verse. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road. For service times and directions, call 727-441-1714. Or find out all about Lakeside at lakesidechapel.com. Verse by Verse is a faith ministry dependent on God's provision through listeners like you whose gifts cover the expenses of airtime and other production costs. If God's prompting you to make a gift, you can give by phone by calling Lakeside at 727-441-1714. Or you can give online through the giving page at versebyverseradio.org. And while you're at our website, we hope you'll take some time to make use of our message archive page where you can stream or download any of our previous broadcasts. That's versebyverseradio.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.